Aloha. Growing up in the islands, there was this thing called backyard football. You guys may not know that, right? But backyard football was uh, in Papako. There's a school called Kalanianole, if anybody knows what Kalanianole is. And I, I went to elementary up there, and there's this big football yard, and we played backyard football. And before, I, I, was, I was a late bloomer as an athlete. Um, I was a... Uh, I guess not much has changed to today, but when I was younger, I was a chubby bunny, right? And all that, so much has not changed today. But um, I was always the last one to be picked on the team. Now, this was around the hefty days of fourth grade to sixth grade, right? I was pretty hefty. I was what you would say fluffy. Can I get a witness out there, right? I was pretty Momona Nui, Momona Nunui, right? I was big, I was hefty. And I so they didn't want the short Hawaiian Filipino boy, right? He wasn't athletic. And so I was always feeling neglected, out of an outcast. And then came sixth grade. Everybody say glory. glory. Sixth grade came and a growth spurt happened, all right? And I lost all that kelekeles and that momona. And uh, I became, I, at sixth grade, I became five, seven and a half. As a six, promise to God, brah. Fifth grade, don't listen to him because he knew me, yeah, and all that. So he's gonna lie about me. But at five, seven, okay, maybe five, three, all right, uh. By the time I was eighth grade, I was five, seven. Never changed since then, okay? But I was a fast growing intermediate, lost all that weight, and I was being able to get, I was being picked first off and all that. And then now, it came where everybody was playing ukulele. And I didn't play an instrument at all. But every, like everybody in Popaiko, no more nothing for doing in Popaiko. Like really nothing. You connect upon, you get the Popaiko meal. It's about it. Not much goes on down there. Can you get a witness, you know? And all that. So that's where you learn all the Pilakia stuff, all the Heva stuff out down there. And all that. But yeah, I wanted to learn how to play instruments. So like I couldn't hang out with the brothers because I didn't know how to play ukulele. And I, li- I grew up in the church. We lived in the basement of the church. My dad was our kahu. All the instruments was on top in the worship center. I had access to every instrument known to man. So I told myself, I'm going to learn every instrument in here. By the way, Kamehameha did my, my music exam for Kamehameha, and they declined me. And so I was like, okay, I got initiative. I learned how to play music my eighth grade year. Like literally, instrument after instrument. It was like a gift. Like I've been learning, I learned everything. Guitar, slack key, drop D key, whatever the key, electric guitar, molds, all this stuff. I started learning, teaching myself how to do all these things because I felt like in order to be a part of the crowd in Hawaii, I mean, you either got to smoke pakololo, all one laugh because you know it's true, right? Or number two, right, you got to have an instrument and play it well, or number three, you got to have one pretty good looking wahine, can I get a witness out there, right? Well, pakololo was out of, the, out of it because my daddy, all right? The whole woman thing, well, it was sort of there, but kind of, you know, I act like I was a womanizer, but really I was, yeah, not, you know, yeah, you guys know what I'm saying. <laughs> so I know the one thing that wouldn't reject this Hawaiian was music. And so I learned how to play music. You guys know my story? I usually don't even get to play it, but because our band director is in Japan, I get to play the last couple of weeks and all that. But like, that made me feel a part of the crowd. Can I get a witness, right? Like, athleticism came naturally to me, after all. But now when I am not so much agile, right, uh, I get to do something that is probably, 
you may think that I'm good at it, but I'm really not. I get to do one of the most greatest things that not makes me feel accepted um, because I do it, but because I'm already accepted by the Lord, I get to do it. Uh, and it's preaching the word of God. If you knew this kanaka, maole, before, before I was a pastor, you would have been shocked that I would be preaching the word of God. I had a stutter issue. I had all kinds of issues with me. And, and I tried to do all these things to fit in the crowd. And I became great at it. I worked hard at it. Got my degree. All this stuff. In fact, tomorrow, I start on my journey on getting a, a doctorate degree. And it's been a beautiful journey in the area of theology and all that. But the greatest joy I have encountered in my life, in all achievements, has been what Jesus has done for me today. And so I don't say this today as a kanaka or just a human being in general that have it all together. Because I know my passion can come across um, contradicting, very harsh. And I want you to hear that what I preach today is a desire from my own pu'uvai, my own na'au, to experience from the inside out, from the word of God. How many of you would say that in your lifetime you feel rejected? Raise your hands. How many of you would say that right now you're feeling rejected? Right? Be honest. Praise the Lord. I think every one of us can be honest that we go through that situation. Even what changes my pu'uvai, what changes my na'au is those songs. What a beautiful name it is. Right? I know you guys raising your hands and you guys praising the Lord when we're singing. But you got to know what I'm going on right here. There's this God-forsaken, ungodly thing called the headphones, all right? And I hear everything in this. And today, you may have not known this, but we were off beat for every song. And I was kind of rebuking some of them in this ungodly thing called the microphone right there. I, I, you guys think I just don't coach on the field. I'm a coach in general, man. I'm pretty rough, right? You guys know that. People don't last long here because they mistake my passion, you know, for legalism and all that. But there were, I mean, like we were our whole, Micah, Ulu Micah, we were a whole measure off every song. And you were worshiping God like there was nobody's business. But in my now, I was like, Jesus, you're doing something in me right now. That I'm not experiencing that they are out there. Like, it's eat up Jesus. They, they, they like rednecks in the south where I preach, right, in Tennessee. Their beat sucks, right? Or they're really in tune with your spirit, God. Like, I am not a sensationist by any, I am not very, uh, I, maybe my, my, my passion is very charismatic, but man, I'm not mystic, I'm not, Lord, you, you, it's me. You're dealing with me. All right? So, like, even in the whole thing, my demeanor changing, my posture changing, I'm, I'm doing all this, and, like, I know I'm about to preach on rejection, and I probably said some words on there that made the melatine feel like they were rejected. Kalamaya oi, it's not my heart, it's not my buvai. And I think all of us would say that we have felt some rejection. But I would be so honest with you today. To be honest, we have also been on the opposite end. Where we have rejected others. 
And today we get to a text through our verse-by-verse study of the Gospel of Mark in chapter 6 on Jesus being rejected in his own neighborhood. For 12 years I was gone from Hilo, Hawaii. I was in the mainland. My transition, I, got, I became a believer in Jesus in Las Vegas, Nevada. I became... I got a heart for people, so I became a pastor immediately at the age of 18. Foolish church. Can I get a witness out there, right? Still Kanako ways. I still was rough. Act like I could beat up everybody. In fact, my first youth uh, ministry event, uh, I basically grabbed a boy out of the car, like a Kanaka, right, and all that. And told him, like, in Jesus' name, you know, blankety, blank, 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 get out of here. You know, that kind of stuff. Like, I was still wrestling with my identity in Christ. And, and I found a true meaning of what it means to follow Jesus. And for so long, the church, specifically in America, we know if you're new to our church, our church is very cultural, meaning we believe Hawaii is still a kingdom. We don't believe we're part of America, but we understand the issues that be. So what we have to do as followers of Jesus, who's Kanaka Maoli, we have to rise above that understanding and know that our inheritance is not here on this earth, that our citizenship is not American or Hawaiian, but our citizenship is in, in heaven. Can I get a witness there, right? And so, so, amen. There's a balance there. There's an understanding of the gospel there. And so what we come here today is not to talk more about who we are as individual, but who is Jesus in our lives. And today, Jesus lands in his hometown of Nazareth, and he deals with some serious rejection, and you're going to be amazed by how he addresses the rejection and how he moves forward. Beth Kisselif says this about rejection. Rejection isn't a bad thing or something to be afraid of. Of. It is part of life. Can I get a witness, right? Can I get a witness? Yeah. Hallelujah. Oh, wake up, wines. Sometime everyone, no matter how successful or talented, will experience rejection. Whether you're giving it or whether you're receiving it, rejection is part of our life because this life is fallen. The world that God created. It's no longer the same world. It is deceived. It is filled with what we call in Hawaiian, heva, bad sin, foolishness, and we need redemption. And so Jesus comes on the scene and he does what only he can do in his humanity and in his lordship that allows us to be theologically in unison with God's spirit. Ho'omaokaokao. And I think for most of all, we would agree that we would agree about the area of rejection. But how much how much shall we prepare for settings when we are rejected or how can we move forward from the experience of rejection for Ohana Church? We view God's word as the highest authority of how we live our life. Our feelings, though, is okay, are not enough. How we grew up, how we was raised, tradition, what man says, opinionated people, uh, like myself, is not enough. We believe God's word is 100% accurate. There is no flaw in it. It has tested the time of 2,000 plus years because of God's goodness. This is how God reveals himself through the written word that reveals the living word. And I want you to see a couple things in the area of rejection that Jesus does to make us pono with him, 
and with our situation. Would you stand with me in the reading of God's word? Again, if you're new, we are an expository church. We read it through books of the Bible, verse by verse. And today, instead of going through a survey like the last two weeks of healing, we're going to go through an exegetical verse by verse by verse process of what these six verses says about rejection. And Jesus went away from there and came to his hometown. And his disciples followed him, and on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who had heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and uh, Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at Jesus. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his what? Hometown. And among his relatives and in his own, say with me, household. And he could not do mighty works there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. Holy Spirit of God. Holy Spirit of the living God. Fall fresh in us today. Pierce our hearts. Convict us. If get any opala pilakia. Heva in our lives. Lord, you hope that. Take that away. Take it away, God. We trust in you. You're the author and finisher of our faith. And if that's not true for somebody today, if somebody's physically wasted and tired right now, supernaturally fill them with your spirit right now. May they hear your word. Your Oli. When we leave this room, may we not leave without forsaking ourselves, asking for forgiveness. And receiving you, Jesus. Teach us on this topic of rejection. And let us look to you. As not just the model, but the complete answer. For our joy. Give us joy. Sweet, sweet joy. In Jesus' name we pray and God's ohana says, Amen. Noho ilalo. You may be seated. A couple things you have to know about the town of Nazareth where Jesus was from. Jesus was from the identity of what we're going to talk about in the area of rejection. His town, Nazareth, was rejected by Israel. It was what we would call the poverty area. This is where people who weren't wealthy, who weren't rich, this would be called the ghetto, the inner city. The low-income housing, the welfare epidemic place. This would be the area that the king of kings would be brought up in. And in around his age of 32 or 33, he arrives back home to probably rest and to live life with his family. 
We see a couple things about Israel historically. Number one, Israel was a small little town. In fact, Hilo right now, Hilo proper, if you went three miles from Hilo downtown, Mohoeal Bandstand, three miles north, east, and west, can't really go south because, I mean, or you can't really go east, right? Because get what over there? Come on, Hawaiian, you don't need to go come here for no this, okay? Get water on that side, Hawaiians, let's go. Ay, ay, ay. Oh my. Are you guys up this morning? Oh, all right. So, you go three mile radius, north, south, west, right? And Hilo Ne has over 15,000 people in that three mile radius. This town called Nazareth has little over 200 to 300 people. It was surrounded by many what you would call provinces or counties like we know. But there weren't much people in it. It was a small town. It was also known as the place of the Opala. All the trash, all the landfill, all the junk, all the ha ha ha, right? All the doodle, everything went to Nazareth, right? It was considered a highly picked on community due to its riff raffs. The ones who laugh, you are a riff raff. That's why you're laughing, right? In fact, we know there are riff raffs. Because in, he- in secular history, around the time of Jesus, 2,000 Jews in Nazareth and the surrounding con- uh, province of Nazareth was crucified because of riffraffs from Nazareth who stole the greatest, biggest treasury from Rome, down the road. Now, not Rome in Italy, but where Roman provinces were. And 2,000 Jews were killed to make a statement that Nazareth is really nobody, but Rome is somebody. In a lot of senses, listen to me, Nazareth was the rejected community. And Jesus grows up in this culture. 100% man, 100% God. He dwelt among us, as Matthew 1 says, and he experienced the most humbling position of all, rejection. And so I want you to see three questions out of our text today that lines up with this idea of rejection, connecting with Jesus. We are a gospel-centered, Christ-centered church, meaning we love to talk about Jesus because Jesus is our answer to rejection. Can I get a witness there, right? And so here's really three questions when it comes to our understanding about Jesus from our six verses, Ho'omaokaokao. Number one, we see, are we amazed by Jesus? Tell your neighbor, all right? Neighbor, you amazed by Jesus? Now, don't use properly English. This is one Hawaiian church, okay? It's okay to use uh, broken English over here. Say, hey. You ready? You know Jesus. All right, so no answer that. Because I don't like you give a wrong answer and all that, all right? For the sake of rejection and humility. But the reality is, are we amazed by Jesus? We see in verse 2 that the word that's used is astonished in the ESV translation. The word astonished in better senses is also known as is either to be amazed of or to be shocked about. Meaning that when Jesus 
got into Nazareth. On a Sabbath day, he went into the synagogues because on Saturdays, when the synagogue would be open, this is when worship would take place. Jesus did specific things that was beyond his credentials and qualifications to the view of man. What did he do? Well, the verses say in verse 2, he taught, right? Verses 1 and 2. He presented the word of God in such a way, right? Number uh, in verse two, you also see wisdom, manao. He had a theological comprehension and understanding about the Torah law specifically, the Old Testament, the uh, the, the the books of history, the poems, all of this. He had a great understanding of that theologically. Verse two also said that he did amazing healing acts. The last two weeks, we talked about a demon possessed man. And a woman with the issue of blood and Jairus' daughter dying. And Jesus doing what only he could do with this miraculous healing. He heals them specifically. But lastly, we see in verse 3, the reason why they were astonished or shocked or amazed by what happened in what they seen about Jesus was that, isn't this this homeboy from the carpenter's house? Hey, is that not brother Joe's son right there? That Hawaiian, that Kanaka, doesn't he build things for us? Like, what's so good about that brother? And isn't his brother James, John, yeah, Joseph? I don't even know who's Joseph. I looked it up. All right, Joseph may have been a brother Zeke back in the day. I don't know. But like, they weren't impressed. With Jesus' qualification, people, let me get you here right now. People are going to be impressed with your qualifications. No matter how educated you get, and I'm preaching to myself, no matter how, what football team you coach, people aren't impressed by your credentials. I would say this so, 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 people wouldn't even be impressed what you did for them. I mean, this is the same people they grew up with. They just saw him heal people from the inside out. The physical means, the spiritual means. They saw Jesus do some work, son. They weren't impressed by it. And here's a biblical truth for all of us to comprehend. And I want you to lean into this truth. It's up on the screen. This huge biblical truth says this, that we cannot know Jesus on who he truly is apart from eyes of faith. For the last few weeks, we learned about what faith is. Faith is not, I saw this cool video about this preacher talking about this guy picking a chair and all that, and it, and it was determined by what he did with what chair he picked that, uh, that would, what, that would uh, increase, right, his faith. That is not what faith is in biblical terms. Faith is actually a gift from God. It doesn't come from us. We've seen that in Ephesians 2, uh, verse 8. It says we've been saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God. Uh, that means that faith comes from God alone. And all these people, though they experienced the, phys- the physical Jesus, they did not experience the spiritual Jesus. Everything physical, we say this all the time, is the result of things what? Spiritual. They couldn't see with lens and eyes of spirituality. All they could see was physicalness. Even if it was miraculous deeds, they still rejected and they were still amazed and astonished by Jesus. This word amazed is not used in the positive, positive tense, it's used in the negative sense. Like, how could Joe's boy do this? How could Joe's boy have the ability or the, the audacity? Like, I wish he would. 
Like they weren't amazed for the sake of being amazed. They were astonished that a weak human credential boy named Jesus in the flesh as manhood could do such a thing. They did not have faith. Hebrews eleven six says this about faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. How must one believe? God must reveal himself to them. Well, didn't Jesus just reveal himself to them? Let me say that again. God must reveal himself to them. The death of the church is thinking that we must do something in order to be accepted by Jesus. That's religion. That's lie. That's heaven. That's a Pharisee. No. The truth of the matter is, I can't do something because what I did in my sin separates me from a holy God. That means God must do what only he can do in order for I to know him. That's the gospel. Anything that says this is what I must do, that's religion. And it's very clear that we're seeing religious means being lived out in this text. And here's a misunderstanding of why people don't know or believe in Jesus Christ. Well, some of them will say, number one, they haven't experienced him. Is that true based on this text? No, they did experience him. Number two, they haven't seen him. Is that true based on this text? No, they've physically seen him. Now, I can see and understand their debate today because we never see Jesus. But after the cross, theologically, we understand that Jesus is presented to mankind through his spirit. Right? We see this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where he says, you know, that he will empower us and he will make us go into all the world with his Holy Spirit in us and through us. However, the issue is not that people did not experience or have not seen Jesus, because they have. The text says it. The issue is that we are blinded by our sin. Sin is the opposite of God. What does that mean? Sin is unholy. Sin is unrighteous. In a lot of definitions in the old times, it says sin is missing the mark. Meaning if Dennis's hat was the bullseye, and I had an arrow, and in my own strength, Right? In my own strength, it depends how he makes me, right? I let that arrow go, I will always miss that target because of my sin. I am not good enough to hit that target. That's what sin does. I'm not good enough to be in right relationship with Jesus. I'm not good enough to be in pornal relationship with the Lord. In my life, I am sinful. I am depraved. I am separated from a holy God. And I need a rescue. For us, his name is Jesus. So are you amazed by Jesus? Number two, are we amazed? Are we offended by Jesus? Can I get an amen in there? Are we offended? Look at the text today. They were all, they were catch feelings, Hawaiians. Everybody over here catching feelings. I catch feelings. We catch feelings. Tennessee, y'all catch feelings. Right? And so we base every theological understanding on my feelings. I ticked off today. Oh, stay away from Kahu. I happy today. Stay right by Kahu. <laughs> my neighbor, my classmate, all this stuff making me catch feelings. And the reality is that's what sin does. 
Sin makes us feel rejected. Sin tells us we ain't good enough. And in all theological terms, you aren't good enough. I'm not good enough. That's what sin does. Sin will always make us miss the mark. We cannot be holy. We can like we are sunk. No matter how much safeguards we put our life on our computer filters, these things, people we stop hanging around with and all that stuff. No matter what we do in our life, we are sunk because that's what sin does. If we keep trying and trying and trying, what happens is the same result all along. We fall to sin. And Jesus comes. And he does the impossible. Why? Because he's God. God in the flesh. When the archangel Gabriel said to Mary, he would be called Emmanuel, God with us. She, he meant it. God with us. And his name will be called Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from sin. But for us to be freed from our sin, here's the question. Are you offended by Jesus? You should be. Every one of us. You should be offended of Jesus because Jesus comes to drop the bomb on everyone in this room. You are sinners in need of a rescuer. Your Paula, your Pilakia separates you from a holy God. It makes it personal. Your sin, my sin. Your sin separates you from Jesus. Does that offend you? It should. It should. It should offend you. Look at how the verse says in verse 5. Oh, no, not verse 5. All right, look at this. In Isaiah 53, it says this. Think about the rejection aspect, right? Jesus, he was despised. This is 700 years before Jesus. He was despised and rejected by man. A man of what? Sorrows and acquainted with grief, right? And as one from whom men hide their face, he was despised. And we esteemed him not. Another phrase for us, low minded people like me, they rejected him. I want you to see this. The word offense, right, is the word out of the Greek, scandal, right? When they were offended, they were offended because there was a scandalizing situation that a human, right, with no education, right, like these Jewish philosophers and scholars, was actually teaching more, listen to me, more effectively than those who had PhDs and masters. Could you imagine why they were offended now? Hawaiians, they caught feelings because somebody was better than them. Can I humble you this morning? You ready? You've heard it before. You ain't all that. Tell your neighbor, eh. And if it's your spouse, even better, eh. I know you can get offended by this. But the word says, so I gotta tell you. You ain't all that. And if you're offended by this, you're the problem. Are you offended by Jesus? 
Come on, I've heard, I've heard it. I've been in the circles, the theological circles. Oh, but the way you preach it is very offensive. Maybe you don't have real people in your life, so that's why you're always catching feelings. Maybe you live in a prima donna world where everything is care bears. I don't know what it is today. I don't know. Yu-Gi-Oh, what I don't know. My little pony. Right? It's a rainbow. Skittles. I know it's funny, but isn't it so true that at the first tense of, listen to me, when we're feeling rejected or offended, the reality is not what's wrong with the person that's rejecting you or offending you. The reality is, what is wrong with me? Why am I being offended? It's scandaling, man. And there's beauty in scandal. There's real, there's so much beauty. Look, mostly between Jesus and the religious rulers, we see the scandal. Jesus was a scandal to many. This caused them to catch feelings. This caused them to become jealous. This caused them to be offended by Jesus. But the word described here is a person, listen to me, who is not just offended. Are you ready? Sinful. I don't know about you, but my wife and I, we started using terms with our children that are more biblical. So if you grew up in one Hawaiian household, um, we use words that aren't really biblical, like... Hey, you stupid dummy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just being honest, you know. I, I, let, me, let me be honest with you. I grew up in this contest. Oh, you stupid Hawaiian. What do you think you're doing, bro? So we try to use our words different. Now, we never said that to our kids. But I grew up hearing that from, from my anakala, my anake, my sometimes my mama, you know. And at the Jackie stop it. You know this. And, uh. So good to have people that knew me before Jesus, huh? Um, but anyway, listen to me. Huh? So we like to use words like foolish. Like, like, still with the pigeon accent, Hawaiian. You're being very foolish right now. Do you think that honors Jesus? No, Daddy. I'm going to tell you what. When you start using words that is connected with Scripture, the na'au get pricked. Right? Kind of cool. As three years old. Come on, bro. Three-year-olds understand. That's very sinful, son. Very heva. These Hawaiian words sometimes. That's not... That doesn't honor the Lord. Do you understand me? And then, like, kind of still working on yes or no. He says, understand you. You know, and, and I think what happens is we start training words that identify that rejection, right, is really connected with our heart. Not with the person that's attacking you or whatever the case. And I want you to hear what Daniel Aiken says about Jesus being rejected. He says, in spite of being in close proximity to Jesus. What do you think of these verses, right? In spite of them being in close proximity to Jesus, they knew him but could not explain him, so they rejected him. Is that not the truth for us today? We naturally reject what we don't actually know. Let me say that again. We naturally reject... What we don't actually know. Jesus did not come to just do signs and wonders for us. 
He came so that they may know him as Lord. In fact, we know this word, know. I want you to see in Psalms, it's not on the screen, but listen to these verses. Psalms 46, he says, be still and know that I am God. Hosea 6.3, let us press on to knowing the Lord. Jeremiah 24.7, which everybody gets out of context, but I want to read you a part of knowing God. I will give them a heart to knowing that I am the Lord. John 17.3, which says this in this uh, church all the time. Jesus, this is eternal life, that they may know the only true God through whom Jesus you have Sent. I want you to hear this. The goal for every Christian, and we've said this for the last few months, is to know God. It's not to even do stuff for God. Because if we do stuff for God, that really puts the cor- cart in front of the horse. Oh, pigeon coming out to the hallelujah, all right? All right, tongue twisters all day long, Hines, whining hots. And, and that's the reality. Before we do anything, right? Listen to me. Know God. Know God. When you know God, your feelings stay in check. Can I get a witness? No matter who comes at you, whatever the case is, knowing God equals eternal life. And Jesus makes a famous statement to address this lack of knowing God. He says, a prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. This is true. Because the stories before up to chapter 6, it says that Jesus was accepted. People ran to him. People came to him. And when he came to town, listen to me, his family, his relatives, his extended relatives and his friends, in this text, says, rejected him. People will reject you because they're not impressed by you. And they're not impressed by Jesus specifically because they're sinful. They're blinded. They have no eyes of faith. And this is the definition and sentiment from Jesus. In both his humanity and lordship, he has a broken heart for them. He has a broken heart for his people. Do you have a broken heart for Helone? Do you have a broken heart for the world? Even when they reject you, those that actually knows him very well will be rejected. If you're not feeling rejection... If you're not feeling tension, you're not sharing Jesus. Listen to me. Here's the biblical truth. Jesus' goal is not to make us comfortable. His goal is to bring us to repentance and to faith. And the way he brings us to repentance and to faith is by letting us catch feelings. And if we catch feelings, everybody say, glory. Glory. Listen to me. It is good that you catch feelings about your sin. Because it would be like a dog going back to its own vomit, not understanding that he's eating crap. And that's like our life, our sinful, our hateful life. We keep sinning and sinning and sinning because we have not experienced glorified Jesus. And it's a process, saints. It's a process. You won't have it all together right away. But this is what happens with us. We start identifying our weakness. We start identifying our way. I'm telling you, I deal with people all day long that are so caught up about themselves. I am guilty up here on the stage, all right? I love me more of Zeke. All two of you laugh because you know it's true. 
I love myself until I look in the mirror and I realize I got to work on it. Right? And then when life beats you down, oh, for me, I need one out of Coca-Cola. When life beats you down, I need one Kahlua pig plate. Give me Harry Avine. And I'll pay that nasty heifer $20 from Kuhil Grill. Give it right now. All right, not back of price anymore. Yeah, that's right. Give it to me. All right, we're all falling in this world. Right? The, the, the reality is we always feel oppressed because we have lens of sin. Jesus' goal is not to make us comfortable. His goal is to bring us to repentance and faith. And listen to me. He's not your homeboy. He's not a genie in the bottle. All right? Christina Aguilera. I'm a genie in the bottle, baby. He is not. Right? He's not even an ordinary guy. Listen to me. He is God in the flesh. And still today, we get him wrong. Lastly, are we guilty of Jesus? Look at verse 5, right? He says it again. He says it's I want you to hear this. This is so much meat in verse 5. He says, and he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. I want you to see the meat to that. Because in today's American Christianity, the the prosperity gospel... Every preacher, televangelist from the prosperity gospel would say, God's goal is to heal everybody. They put all the emphasis on healing. And I'm not against God healing. God heals who he wants to heal. But it says here, look at the verse again, verse 5. Everybody look at verse 5. It said, Jesus could not do mighty works there. Except, there's a differences. Except, he laid hands on a few sick and healed them. The mighty works wasn't based on physical healing and miracles. It was an extension of the mighty work. The mighty work that we see comes on in the last sentence of the last verse of chapter 6. You guys ready? It says this. You ready? And he went about among the villages teaching. What was the mighty work? The preaching. The teaching. We learned it from last week. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of Christ. What are you saying? I'm saying what it says. One cannot know Jesus apart someone preaching and then you hearing the word of Christ. Luke explained it in such a great way. He articulates and clarifies what this teaching looked like. In Luke 4, verses 42 to 44, it says this. And when it was day, Jesus departed and went into a desolate place. Now we know that desolate place was where he spent time with the Father. He prayed. He fasted. It was what we would call his quiet time. Goes on and says, And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them, but he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God the other towns as well for I was sent for this purpose I want you to hear me the purpose statement was that it wasn't that he would heal every single person on the face of the earth the physical healing right the purpose his mission statement was to preach the gospel to all the towns 
And it says it, and he was preaching in the synagogues, right, of Judea. This is why I believe Sunday is important for our context and culture. Because we yet to do what Jesus fulfilled. Jesus in his humanity used what we would call the religious section, the synagogue, the church building. Though there was some people messed up, I'll probably more enjoy it than messed up, even the teachers. Jesus went in there to do the greatest work of all. He preached the clear gospel of Jesus Christ. Wait, he preached himself? Amen. And Jesus comes today to you to let you know, number one, listen to me, you're not the only one in this room with troubles. You're not the only one in this room that has been rejected. If anything, when we are feeling rejected, look to Jesus. When we are feeling oppressed, look to Jesus. When our mind wanders to cuckoo land, look to Jesus. And, and I preach from a posture of humility that, man, the last couple weeks... My mind has been going all over the place. My identity has been attacked. Me as a husband, as a father, as a kahu, as a coach. All these titles that has emphasis to it has been attacked. But the only title that I wasn't really emphasizing is the one where God calls me his child. Yeah? And it's at that moment. I read Psalms 5 today and I shared it with ye this morning. That joy is the medicine for my soul. Now we look at joy. Now you're talking about the Google Gaga feelings. No, I'm talking about Jesus. He's my joy. He's my comfort. Yes, the one who was rejected, the one who was pinned on the cross, the one who had the crown of thorns on his head, the one that gave his life for me. I look to that, that substitutionary atonement, and I'm like, man, that gives me joy. I'm even told Auntie Donna in the beginning of the week, eh, Reva? Why do I even come to practice every day? This stinking football team still acting up. I still get, I get videos of them vaping in the locker room. I get video of them acting out, acting like they can scrap everybody. I have to release few people from the team. And that's the, that's the thing I don't like doing. I don't enjoy that. I don't enjoy re- releasing people. Oh, man, he's a co- confrontation man. Yeah, I'm a co- confrontation man, but I love people, man. I want to let you guys know this. Not everybody goes to heaven. But everybody dies. You hear me? So my prayer today is that you would die to self and you would let Jesus do what only he can do. Let him raise you from your spiritual deadness. Let him fill you with his spirit. Let him 
honey, honey you, lomi, lomi you, embrace you, even in all your guilt and shame. Let him do the work that only he can do. Alakai, come up. Listen to me. Let's not be the church that just goes through the motions of church. I want you guys to come up. Use these steps as an old school fashioned altar. Come up to the alakai. Pray with them. Get counsel for them. This is not just one prayer. Like our alakai is equipped to talk through with you your issues. James 5 says the prayer, the confess, confess your sins to one another, then pray for one another that the, the prayers of a righteous man will be healed. Be healed today, spiritually, physically, be healed. Do that. Our team is going to sing over you. Do those things. Come to the altar. Pray with our alakai. Or lastly, just stand where you are, sing as a declaration of praise. But if you do have heva in your heart, if you do have opala, if you have sin and unrighteousness in your heart, I would say come to these two first action steps. Get to the throne or come to that. Now, there's no power in the throne. There's no power inside these men, outside of this Holy Spirit that lives in them. But we want to see transparency in this church. I don't want to be in membership classes, going through, mem- through the process of membership, and you guys don't tell me about stuff to 10 weeks down the road. We want to know it now. We want to know what we're getting involved with now. No worry about the outside world. You will not feel freedom until you let God know what's your issue. You already know the issue. All your process, God, is make it verbal. Make it complete, all right? Jesus, we love you. We respond to you. Jesus, have your way. May we sing to you. May we confess to you. May we pray to you. May we give you what you deserve. It's our attention and our affection. We love you.